Welcome to Middle Age Can Be Your Best Age, the show designed to help make middle age your prime time of life by defying the notion that once you reach 40, 50, or even 60 years old, your crowning achievements are all behind you. Regardless of whether you're just approaching 40 or are firmly entrenched in your middle years, it's time to launch your very own personal journey toward a joyful and purpose-filled second half of life. Each week, host Roy Richards, an expert on midlife renewal and author of A Midlife Challenge, Wake Up, will discuss the challenges common to middle age and help guide you to a brighter tomorrow. Now, here's Roy. Well, as I'm certain you've heard, the latest government statistics show America's unemployment rate is near an all-time low. But uh, that isn't very comforting, is it, if you're in your late 40s, 50s, or 60s, unemployed or underemployed, perhaps part-time, stuck in a job you don't admire or in fear of losing your job due to a radical shift in skill set requirements that you just can't seem to keep up with. And as my guest Diane Huth puts it, shift happens. And that's not a swear word, by the way. It's S-H-I-F-T. And in fact, uh, she has discovered a very real unemployment crisis today impacting baby boomers and those are folks 54 to 72, who she now labels as the unemployable generation. And she warns us that American corporations are shedding baby boomers like yesterday's newspapers. And I would extend that crisis as well to those of you presently in your late 40s or early 50s. So are you among the hundreds of thousands of mature professionals being kicked out by businesses to make room for computer-savvy millennials at half your salary. They're computer-savvy, and supposedly they're more in touch with the now generation, but none of them have those 20-plus years of irreplaceable on-the-job experience. And it's illegal, we know, but Diane warns us that age discrimination remains rampant, often subtle like you appear overqualified for our position. And stats show that if and when unemployed professionals over 50 do find work, it takes them twice as long, 55 weeks, believe it or not, on average, to find a job. And worse yet, when they finally do get rehired, they typically end up earning a third less than they did on their prior position. But enough of these depressing stats. Here's some good news. Diane Youth has released a brand-new book just for you titled Reinvent Your Career, Beat Age Discrimination to Land Your Dream Job, and she's here with advice on how to reinvent yourself at middle age and beyond and how to rebrand your career. As a result, either you'll get hired for that dream position or you'll intentionally thumb your nose at corporate America and strike out on your own as a successful individual practitioner, small business owner, or startup entrepreneur. And you may recall Diane Youth was a prior guest on our program last January 29th. She's a marketing and branding expert, innovation consultant, and university professor. And she speaks from experience because she's a 40-year superstar with top-level marketing slots at Johnson & Johnson, Carnation Nestle, and CBS Cable. And her current passion is to help committed, mature professionals like you and me to fight back and uh, to uh, to locate, get hired for, and keep or invent a great job, a job where you actually enjoy earning a living. And she's prior best-selling author of the Brand You book series, books that include job search advice for folks of all ages. And hello, Diane, and welcome back. Why, thank you. It's wonderful to be back with you and with your wonderful audience. 
Well, let's begin with the bad news. Can you please give us a few of the reasons why so many companies today prefer millennials over baby boomers? Some well, of there are a number of, <laughs> of real real points. Um, the first one is a perception of low, lower cost in yeah. terms of salary, in terms of benefits, um, in terms of vacation, a whole bunch of reasons that millennials cost less than baby boomers. The key reason is the tech savviness. Workers yeah. are, um, employers are concerned that we don't have the tech skills that are needed to be competitive in today's workforce. And so that's the main thing, I believe, the main message for ba- my message to baby boomers is you really have to tech up and, and gain those tech skills. Also, companies have changed. The way companies work has changed. The workplace has changed. Um, wow. 40% of jobs are being done at home today, remote work. <laughs> And that's going to increase dramatically because companies have realized that they can be much more flexible. They can dramatically reduce costs by closing offices. And often the workplace is shifting to a remote, um, like a technology incubator or a, a workspace, a shared workspace that costs hundreds of dollars a month as opposed to tens of thousands of dollars a month yeah. to hire a sales team of four or five, ten people. So the world is changing. We have really got to, to catch up with that and embrace those changes rather than fighting back against them. Yeah, there's a lot more of these gig uh, workers, too, or, uh, you know, considered independent professionals that aren't full-time employees as well. Right, and that's one of the, the crises that we face, but we have to figure and work our way through, is people are going from W-2 salaried workers, which come with benefits, insurance, which is a yeah. key issue. Lots yeah. of benefits are much more expensive than a 1099 contract worker. Yeah. <laughs> and so companies are moving wholesale shifts to certain parts of their workforce to contract workers that are more flexible, um, less expensive, less administrative hassle. They don't have to pay benefits. Um, And easier to get rid of. (laughs) Yeah, and and they are covered by unions. Um, Lots of reasons, and and but it, it allows the company to be more flexible. Yeah. I'm actually working with a company, and we're getting ready right now to transform our entire workforce to 1099 contract workers because oh, wow. it meets our corporate needs for flexibility yeah. and 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 the the way we want to manage and to be able to control our costs because otherwise we wouldn't be cost effective. So yeah. it's happening. We just need to figure out what our role is and how we can can live well and find meaningful work in that changed environment. Well, okay, so let's turn it around. Your new book, Reinvent Your Career, contains a chapter titled 10 Reasons Why Companies Should Hire You Instead of a Millennial. Can you please touch on a couple of these, some that we could use as selling points when we're uh, uh, buying for a future job? Right, I gladly. And one of the issues is, Entry-level um, HR people who do the screening tend to be young millennials. They're very junior, so they yeah. don't value or understand the, the the many things that we bring to a company. So it's our job to help subtly implant those ideas or reinforce them. Yeah. One of the key things is company and industry experience. We're the, the legacy knowledge holders of everything that has, has happened in the business. So 
we span decades understanding the industry that the new hotshots don't. So we really have to be the go-to person for industry insights, and that's a very valuable role that we can have. We also are known for our strong work ethic, whereas many millennials are seen as flighty or they're not as dedicated, um, and where we are known for, you know, rolling up our sleeves and making it work with with work work ethic that we have been um, exhibiting for the past 30 or 40 years. Yeah, and we're we're also also more loyal. We don't uh, jump around as much, I don't think, or we didn't in the past is what uh, a lot of the millennials like to do. Right, and and I teach at a college, and I go to a lot of job fairs, and I interview people, and and I'm stunned when I I went to a job fair a couple months ago, and I'm talking to two nice young men in their early 20s, and, you know, I talked to one guy, and I I said, what are you looking for? He says, well, I'm looking for a job I can really enjoy. I said, do you have any work experience? He says, yeah, I graduated last year. I've had three jobs since then, and I don't really like them. I'm bored, so I'm moving on. But I gave a company seven months. Like, (laughs) okay, that's not loyalty. Wasted seven months of training, and yeah, and they may just, not really be cheaper if you spend all that time training them, only to have them jump the ship after a few months right. or a year. <laughs> One of the other values that we bring is communication skills. We were brought to learn correct reading, writing, um, be able to communicate effectively. And those skills just aren't even being taught today as effectively. It's amazing when you read these uh, emails or uh, texts of these. Millennials using you for Y-O-U and all this kind of stuff. (laughs) Right, and many just, they don't have, you know, they they didn't have sentence diagramming, you know, drilled into their... themselves by the nuns or whatever, you know, rulers hitting your knuckles like we were, um, yeah. and so they don't have those communication skills. And if you are representing a company, a company is going to look for those communication skills. So one of the things that you can say is, you know, I'm the go-to person in my department for approving all written documents that go to the board or go to the public or any, cons- you know, c- consumer communication because, yeah. you know, I'm known for excellent writing skills. That's yeah, the value. at some point in time you, you have know, to communicate with effective writing beyond just uh, the lazy way we send uh, text messages, like you say, mm-hmm. communicating with shareholders or with the, the general media or whatever. Right. I teach um, at two universities. I teach graduating seniors, and one of the schools that I teach at, both of them I teach at night. So generally I'm teaching people who are in their mid to late 20s who are working in some kind of a job trying to finish their degrees. Yeah. So I have a more mature workforce than many, but I would say less than 20% of my students have good enough writing skills that I would hire them. Wow. They don't know correct grammar, correct spelling, uh, effective communication. So that's a skill that we have that we really need to take advantage of. Yeah. Well, Section 2 of your book presents four key methods to land and keep a job in today's corporate America, to stay relevant with a changing workplace. And I'd like to touch on a couple of these at least. Your first suggestion to older professionals is to tech up, and that makes sense, but many of us learned our key job skills before the PC even existed, not to mention today's Internet, smartphone, and social media. How the heck can technology fossils like me keep up with today's plug-and-play 24-7 communication generation? Seems like uh, we just when we begin to master one, two ne- new technology, another gadget comes along or software. 
We just need to keep learning. And when I first started writing the book, I didn't know where to send people, so I did a lot of research. And there's lots of ways you can, I mean, anything that you want to learn how to do is on YouTube. Now, I don't watch, I don't learn well from video. I learn from somebody teaching me. But yeah. everything you want for start is on video. If you're working for a company, um, the company should have um, in the human resource department, they should have training programs. Um, yeah, even if you so. just watch Kim Commando for an hour every Saturday, you'll be learning new things. So yeah. you just have to say, I'm going to dedicate half an hour to learning something new today in the technology field. Yeah, um, I any employee needs to have basic communication skills of Word to be able to write effectively, Word, PowerPoint, and hopefully Excel. Um, those are the three basics you must have, and yeah. you can get training at local community colleges, at job, um, like job services. They teach you um, computer skills and goodwill and different um, nonprofits and, and um, you know, non-governmental organizations like your job services organization. They will provide training skills in technology to help you at least come up to a minimal level. And then you just need to spend, say, I'm, I'm going to overcome this, um, and, and we can recognize, hey, my generation invented the computer. We invented the <laughs> Internet. We started this when, when you had to program the stupid thing using C prompts and DOS. It's kids' play compared to what we started. So we just need to get over our, feels and our fears and jump into embracing technology, knowing it's easier than it ever was yeah, when we started. It's easier to use it than to understand all the technology of it. But you don't have to be an expert on that to uh, utilize it. But the, your great second piece of advice is to embrace lifelong learning to up your skills and build your expert status. Uh, can you give us a few uh, affordable options to enhance our skills that don't cost an arm and a leg? And uh, yeah, you know, there's don't so many. And one of the, the big trends today is employers are saying college degrees don't matter as much as a certification. I don't care if oh. you've got a college degree. I want to know if you are a certified machine operator or you are a certified. So getting certifications or badges in your field count as much as a college degree, if not more. Every community college has classes, and what I've discovered is that many of them are free if you're older. Um, huh. Many community colleges, if you get to registration day and the class is not filled and you're over 60, you can go and take that class for free. <laughs> wow, they don't tell you that, no. but you can find that out. Well, There's I know another... you can also uh, get certifications from uh, your professional association. Years ago, I became a CPCU when I was in that's a Certified Property Casualty Underwriter, CLU, there's CFA for finance, real estate certifications. There's a lot of those uh, kind of cert certificates you can get from your uh, industry associations. Absolutely. It adds great value to your membership and your professional association, which we should all be belonging to if you want to stay relevant. But they're relatively inexpensive compared to getting a college degree. You might be able to get a, a, an industry trade association certification for 100 to two, 300 bucks, and it adds a lot in, in making yourself relevant. If you're working your company, no dorm maybe fees. <laughs> pay for that. There's no dorm fees you have to pay when you do that. That's right. You don't have all those fees and all that other stuff. Yeah. Um, 
Other things that are very important, there are a lot of online classes. There are free classes. Um, Udemy, U-D-E-M-Y, is a huge online classes. They have over 100,000 online courses that range anywhere from free to a couple hundred bucks. And this week through tomorrow, um, you can get any course for $9.99. And oh, wow. so I went in yesterday and I signed up for 15 classes for 10 bucks each, which was $3,000 worth of online learning for 150 bucks. So and then I just busy. have to slowly go through each of those. And I picked the best classes that were the most expensive with the most content, so I'm getting a great value for my 10 bucks. Yeah, well, your third key to success in getting hired is to look as young as you can without looking silly. And that kind of surprises and frustrates me. If I'm 58 years old, are you telling me I should attempt to look and dress like I'm 28? <laughs> no, I'm telling you to look as young as you can reasonably do um, within your expectation. There's a lot of superficial things that you can do, and then there's behavioral things. Superficial things include getting a stylish haircut. Men, get a haircut. Color your hair, men or women. Shave off the mustache and facial hair, men. Nothing makes a man look older than a white beard or a white mustache. It's screaming, I am grandpa. I am old. Women, get a haircut. Bleaching your teeth. You can get a teeth bleaching um, program for 250 bucks when you get old your teeth get yellow it's a visual sign of aging okay um losing your glasses if you as soon as you hit medicare you can get um cataract surgery for free um so you can get rid of glasses but even if you're not there they have contact lenses multifocal contact lenses so you don't have to wear glasses because glasses make you look older and then there's there's um, you know, everybody needs a, ma- a, a wardrobe makeover because we all have stuff that's sitting around in our closet. We love it, but the <laughs> shoulder pads are out of date, or the ties are too wide, or the lapels are wrong. I mean, let's we yeah. all have clothes that we feel comfortable that are filling up our our wardrobe, and you only really need thirty or forty garments that fit well, look well. Yeah. And then you refresh it with a couple of new updates, and, and updating your wardrobe helps a lot. Shoes, we all have shoes that are are not stylish anymore or that aren't, aren't don't fit well. So a new pair of shoes or two will really help. So we can do that, but we also have to reinvent how we behave and act. For example, walking. Um, One of the key concerns that people have is energy level because energy equals vitality equals your capability in people's minds. So we have to practice walking briskly, and that's hard. I get this to when I was in the the service years ago. I had a Colonel Norman T. Dennis was my boss, and he walked so briskly that I almost had to skip and run to keep up with him. Right. I have a a, a longtime friend, and he's in his early 60s. He he looks young and fit, but he just started working for a regional airline. And, you know, all the people who worked there are 20 years younger. So he he, um, reminds himself to to kind of jog across the, the, the runway, you know, in the, in the buildings, you know. Yeah. He, he walks briskly or he kind of jogs because young people jog. They don't shuffle. A lot of times you get old and, and, and you um, shuffle your feet or you look down at your feet. Yeah. That's, a, that's not good. So you have no. to change, be conscious of your behaviors. Um, get um, hearing aids, but don't let anybody know you have them. Yeah, they have okay, they're your little secret. You fix them in in your office or in the bathroom. Yeah, 
Okay. And then those... I was going to move on to your fourth area advice as, oh. as to adopt younger actions, habits, tools, and props, as you call it. And do we have to? I don't want to walk around 24-7 talking and texting on my smartphone and laptop like the kids do today. Can you give us a happy medium going mobile while we still preserve our privacy and our sanity? <laughs> right. We just have got to adopt a mobile lifestyle. You do need a smartphone. No flip phones, people. They are so yeah, old-fashioned. And then Immediately every- label you a flip yeah. phone. <laughs> Right. I, I know friends who still do have flip phones. They love them because the keys are easier. Well, that just screams that you're old-fashioned. I'm going to Starbucks. Young people go to Starbucks. We don't want to pay 4 bucks for a cup of coffee, but you go into Starbucks and you can actually buy a plastic mug, a plastic cup that looks just like a paper cup. And then you just fill that up with your coffee at home and you carry that on your desk. But that's kind of a, a subtle sign that you fit in. Um, the Fitbit, they're not that expensive. Yeah. Lots, lots of young people have Fitbits, which measure in your pulse and your walking and things like that. Or a, 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 like an iPhone. Um, those are interesting props that you can use, and they come in handy. Um, yeah. You should have, like, get rid of the Samsonite briefcase, throw it away. You never want to see it. You need a soft leather, or for women, you can have a fabric, um, like a carry-on attache case. It can be attractive, but you have to have a nice um, soft briefcase with uh, a nice, decent pen, um, well, you know, nice behaviors. And laptops, to be- I assume you have to have, too, to- you carry around with you, not right. the old bulky kind, but the <laughs> right. And then you have to be aware of behavioral changes. There's a lot of diversity going out on there in the workforce, and you have got to be prepared um, to have all sorts of strange people that you work with, and not to be scandalized or let let prejudices get in the way. Diversity is widely embraced by all aspects of corporate America. And just if there's something that offends you, just be quiet and don't talk about it. There's a lot of profanity yeah. in the workplace today. Um, you might meet people, uh, a man who talks about his husband or a six-foot-tall woman with a, an Adam's apple, and you just kind of don't worry about it. Just just don't say anything about it. Keep politics yeah. to yourself. No, Avoid well, uh, politics. Let's touch on a couple of other age-related topics. One of the suggestions for baby boomers seeking employment is to hire yourself, setting up your own consulting company to land a dream job. Is that easy and possible to do? How do you get your first client when you when you do that? Well, it's easy, and whether you get a client or not, um, the first thing I think everybody ought to do is have their own domain name with your name, and you should have a simple four-page website. It establishes your credentials. Then you can offer consulting services or contract services, and you do that by word of mouth. You'll often um, have people referred to you. What Having your own business, if you wish, if you have, to have it as a sole proprietor, you don't need to do anything as long as your name is in the title. Yeah. So if your name is John Doe, you want to be John Doe Engineering or John Doe Consulting or John yeah. Doe Artist, you know, whatever. As long as it's in your own name, you can be a sole proprietor, and you don't even have to do the LLCs and the incorporation stuff. You yeah. can just set up your shingle under your name and, and pitch business, if you wish. And that makes um, so much sense. Will you encourage us to fight back when they say we're overqualified let's say you're told that during an interview how should you respond 
Lisa, of course I'm overqualified. I bring you so much experience in this industry, in this field, that I am a benefit to you. I bring world-class exposure, and I will help you build out your department. Um, and then you might want to say, to me, job satisfaction is because that's, that's a signal for you're too expensive, right? Job yeah. satisfaction is what's important to me today. I'm tired of commuting two hours every day to work, so I'm willing to make sacrifices and, and take a job at perhaps a little bit of a lower compensation or the same level that I'm at yeah. to be able to cut off that commute because well, my family life is important to me and I'm, I'm tired to, of commuting. I love that, how you're turning it around there. <laughs> I really like that. Well, one more question. From your experience, what's the biggest mistake that unemployed professionals make? They stop networking. That is the death knell to the job search. <laughs> Our key competitive advantage, Roy, is that we have business and personal relationships that go back 40 years. And so we need to tap into that network. And we can do that very easily through LinkedIn. LinkedIn is number one. But you also network in person in your local communities. I firmly believe in networking through professional associations. Everybody should belong to your trade association. There is a local chapter of a trade association for no matter what you do, or you should find one that's as close to your profession as possible. And the peers, the people you work with and have worked with, your former bosses, your former employers, your former customers, your former vendors, they're all going to be in that association. They're there to learn. They're there to network. They're there to get customers. And so that's where you need to be where business is happening. Often people lose their jobs and they're embarrassed. Um, they don't know what to do. They're ashamed. Our generation, um, we identify ourselves with a job. I'm a marketer. I've been a marketer yeah. forever. <laughs> if I lose my marketing job, I lose half of who I am. And yeah. so they go, oh, I don't know. And so they don't go because they're embarrassed to say, oh, I'm unemployed. I'm looking for a job. Nobody wants to be there. Yeah. Um, instead, you say, I'm on a sabbatical because I'm really trying to figure out where I want to be at this I point. I love that one okay. suggestion you had. You say you're uh, working on an article and you want to interview <laughs> somebody in a company <laughs> thereby right one of the ways you can network your way into a company show your expertise is to I'm a, I'm a writer so I can always say hey I'm writing an article for the book I can pick up the phone and talk to anybody right <laughs> even if you're not legitimately writing a blog everybody can blog although they're kind of a pain in the neck what I have discovered that everybody has an instant blog available to you with 600 million potential followers <laughs> and it's free and it's called LinkedIn so yeah. all you need to do as part of your LinkedIn profile is post a blog once a week, once a month, however as you want. You write an article, a thoughtful, evergreen article about anything in your industry, and you post it there. And then oh, people can comment on it. So you become a thought leader. You have a yeah. physical uh, physical presence on LinkedIn, which is where 94% of all recruiters look for people or verify people is on LinkedIn. Yeah, and I'd so never you, thought of blogging on LinkedIn. That's a, I do some blogs sometimes, but I've never done it on LinkedIn. That makes a lot of sense. Right, and, and I have a blog, and it's a pain in the neck, and you pay for it. You you know you have to have the the URL, and you pay for the hosting. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's a lot of, of of problem. And then nobody sees it. You know, you have to draw traffic. Well, you've got six hundred yeah. million people on on LinkedIn, and then you 
say, and, and you can start this, um, all of us have something in our past. We have an article that we've written, a presentation that you did at a trade show, a study that you did. Anything that you've written at any point, you can turn that into an evergreen article, or you can just talk about things that are important to you and, and provide your, your in, information. But once you start doing that, then you can call up the, the hiring manager where you want to go to work or the CEO of the company and say, hey, I'm John Doe. I'm writing a series of articles about the industry, and I wonder if I could come and interview you. And then you ask a series of intelligent questions, and you turn that into an article. Then you send them a link, say, hey, I just posted <laughs> you know, the article that we talked about. I want you to see it. And you send them a thing. You've just set up you've, – you've benchmarked yourself as an expert. Yeah. By a, the way, I'd love to come on board. I don't know when you break it to them that you'd love to come on board, I guess, after you send them the articles. I don't know how you... <laughs> yeah, I love your company. I'd love to come and work for you. Or, yeah. or you can start by consulting because you've got that, that yeah. your own John Doe you know, consulting company. Yeah, that's right. You've got your little webpage. You've got your own company. I'd love to come in and consult with you. Well, your book, Reinvent Your Career, includes a number of essential topics we haven't even talked about, like mastering social media, revising earnings expectations, new concept of retirement, preparing your resume, setting up a personal website, discovering your personal passions, lifestyle changes as you age, just to name a few. How do we uh, go to uh, preview and purchase your book? Is it available yet or uh my go? book is available on Amazon. Oh, you can great. go to my name, Diane, on Amazon. Go to Diane Hoos, and the book will pop out. It's bright red, and yeah. you can buy it right there on Amazon yeah, or on whatever your there. favorite bookseller is. And it is available today. Oh, great. Now, what's your um, – and, and today, by the way, we're recording this on August 28th, so it will be available when you hear this in a couple of weeks. But uh, What's What's available uh, today? It is available today. I've already got it released. Yeah. What's your website address, and uh, what are a few of the resources you offer there? Um, It's www.brandyouguide.com is my my website. I am building a new website. It's not ready yet, but it will be dianehoof.com, and it will have all the information on this book. So by the time this comes out in two weeks, my my dianehoof.com website should be up. Okay, well, that's probably where we should go then. Okay, I think okay. so. There'll be lots of content there, and I'll have um, some free offers there available for you. Great. Well, uh, con- to conclude, as Diane Hughes so effectively covers in her brand new book, Reinvent Your Career, one of our biggest challenges as we view the ever changing workplace is how we look at ourselves. And our generation was raised to identify ourselves by our jobs, as Diane mentioned, or our careers. I'm a banker, I'm a nurse, I'm an accountant, or maybe by our employer. I work for General Motors, or I work for IBM, or et cetera, et cetera. And today, especially with the rise of the gig economy, temporary employment and independent 1099 contractors, those traditional roles are shifting and younger folks today describe themselves more by their personal attributes, hobbies, and lifestyles, and less by their professions. And when we think about it, that's not such a bad thing. You are a unique, one-of-a-kind individual worth so much more than the way you earn your living and how much you are paid. And should you presently be unemployed, retire, or lose your job tomorrow, your value as a human being in no way diminishes. And so long as you recognize this, 
and are able to pinpoint and develop your skills, intellect, and talent, define authentic lifestyle objectives, and brand yourself accordingly, you'll prosper in your career at any age. And my guest, Diane Huth, is a prime example. She's older than the traditional retirement age, but currently is VP of marketing, a marketing professor, an innovation consultant, an author, public speaker, and career coach. And no, you don't have to emulate her. If you're financially able and emotionally ready for complete retirement, go for it. But if you're not ready or don't want to retire but need to overcome age discrimination by updating your skills, being and presenting your best, I highly recommend you purchase Diane Hughes' brand-new book, Reinvent Your Career. And always remember, this isn't 1983 or 1976 or whatever. And the world of work is continually shifting, and it's up to you and me to adapt. And Diane suggests how. And thanks to me and Diane Hughes for returning, and best of success with your new book. Thank you so much. It's been fun to share it with you and with all of your listeners. Well, we've been talking to you baby boomers and the first wave of you Gen Xers about reinventing your careers, and we want to thank Diane Huth for her very astute comments. Before I go, I want to ask you boomers, what do you want to be called? (laughs) Most experts define the baby boom generation, in case you've forgotten, as folks born between 1946 and 1964. Boy, how time flies. That means the youngest of you turned... 54 this year. Heck, you've been eligible for AARP membership for four years. And and the oldest of you, believe it or not, will turn 72, and you've been eligible for Social Security and the normal retirement age for six or seven years. And it turns out a lot of you don't want to be called senior citizens or seniors. And I agree, that's kind of a repulsive turn. I never liked that either. Uh, Heck, the last time I was a senior was in my last year of college. And I don't know about you, but being classified as a senior citizen somehow implies that I'm old and used up, maybe decrepit and over the hill. And maybe I'm just oversensitive, I don't know. But uh, if not senior, what would you like to be called? Well, I came across an amusing article on the subject by Claire Hansberry in the August 30th, 2018 Wall Street Journal. And one suggestion to describe folks at or nearing their retirement age is perennial. At least this title implies we're still blooming. Uh, But as Pam O'Brien, 69, a University of Pittsburgh professor, uh, relays that she thinks it's uh, contrived and it's kind of uh, silly, isn't it? Uh, She prefers elder because she is an elder in her church and there are elders from 30 to 80 in that church, but she's not a fan of elderly. And vintage is another possible euphemism, but that implies we're aging like wine, doesn't it? And all of us are growing older. That's just a fact of life. But most folks don't want to be called old or perceived as old, which makes finding an acceptable term very difficult. Uh, Dr. Laura Christensen, 64, director of the Stanford Center on Longevity, indicates she hasn't found a single word that someone is not turned off by. And I think that's pretty uh, much the case, isn't it? Uh, For a long time, she tried to get people to call themselves old and be proud of it uh, for reaching an advanced age. And okay, maybe when I'm 90, I'll be proud of being 90, but certainly not at my age now. And another more positive term like sage 
let's admit it doesn't apply to everyone over 50. I've known some 50-year-olds who weren't very sage at all. Maybe I'm not myself. In fact, the term perennial describes folks of all ages, which is another reason it doesn't make a lot of sense, so long as they're blooming every year. And so uh, that doesn't make too much sense either, does it? And former Secretary of State Madeleine Albright, though, has declared herself a perennial, and she's no spring chicken. The labels constantly evolve. A once acceptable phrase uh, accumulates negative connotations over the year, which is why aged has evolved into senior citizen, which is now evolving into older adult. And some like uh, geezer or old fart never were acceptable, were they? Even though a lot of us are called that. According uh, to the article, you baby boomers, the countercultural generation, are particularly uh, self-conscious. And I guess you've been in control for so long in the economy and in politics and everything else, you're really hesitant to step aside and admit that you're no longer the generation. Boomers used to adopt a new generational identity, or they need to adopt a, or want to at least, a new generational identity for themselves in their post-retirement years. And I like the positive aspects of this. You're retiring, after all, from your primary vocation, but not from life. And that doesn't mean you have to be a senior citizen out to pasture. And here's an idea we're constantly advocating on this program. Why in the heck is any label necessary for a whole generation? Every one of us is a unique individual. We all age at different uh, rates, and we have different ideas on how and when to slow down. And on this program, we say middle age begins around 35 or 40 and continues to question mark, question mark, question mark. There are healthy, active 80-year-olds and frail and inactive folks at 62. A 93-year-old Stanley Slott of Pennsylvania says terms like senior citizen and older adults are unnecessary, and he rightfully says we don't need to be reminded that we are senior citizens. Not only that, the uh, umbrella term doesn't recognize a person as an individual, and that's probably what I the biggest uh, complaint I have about being called a senior. You lose your identity, everyone's the same. I've always kind of disliked being called a baby boomer also because just because you're the same age as someone else doesn't mean you have the same characteristics as someone else. And if we must uh, use something, how about older adults or mature adults? Everyone obviously is older than someone. A two-year-old is older than a baby. (laughs) But when does older as a term for age creep in? In conclusion, you're as old as you think and feel, and that applies also to your parents and to your contemporaries. And like today's guest, Diane Huth suggested, uh, dress and behave a few years younger than your chronological age if you wish to, so long as your dress and behavior doesn't make you look silly. You're not going to look 35 if you're 58. (laughs) And most important, don't be concerned about Uh, what category folks place you in or what they call you so long as they treat you with the ultimate respect and um, respect you for the age that you are. And uh, personally, the only time I I ever want to be called senior is when I save money through a senior discount. And that's our program for today. Don't forget my book, A Midlife Challenge, Wake Up by Roy C. Richards. 
You'll find it on Amazon, barnesandnoble.com, or through our website, middleagerenewal.com. And that's our program for today. Talk to you next week on Middle Age Can Be Your Best Age. You've been listening to Middle Age Can Be Your Best Age, hosted by Roy Richards, an expert on midlife renewal and author of both A Midlife Challenge, Wake Up, and Wake Up, Captain and Crew, Restart Your Engines. You can learn more about Roy and his Middle Age Renewal Training System by visiting his website, middleagerenewal.com. 